Hello there. My name is Tom Chick, and you are listening to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast for Battleship. <laughs> I am here tonight, today, this morning, whenever you're listening, I am here with Christian McClarsky, um, I think it is. Christian McClarsky. I'm hungry. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay, I got that one. I thought you were going to do a Bronson bit, but uh, that works. And uh, with a tagline for the battleship, Kelly Wand. Uh, miss. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Thank you. Uh, Dingus. Now, oh, by the way, if you're listening, we're not going to spoil anything yet. Maybe you haven't seen Battleship, and you're like, oh, these guys are going to ruin it for me. They're going to give away a plot twist or something. We're not going to do that just yet. So, Dingus, without spoiling anything in Battleship, why don't you tell us a little bit about what we saw this week? All right, well, this week we saw Battleship, Mm. a 2012 American science fiction action naval war board game movie about navies repelling an invasion. It was directed by Peter Berg and written by Eric and John Hoover, based on the Hasbro game of the same name. It stars Tadanobu Asano. Battleship is rated PG-13 for intense sequences of violence, action, and destruction, and for language. What? Bunch of S-bombs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right, right. A couple of mother Fs, yeah, yeah. That's not... Whoa, 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 whoa. What? If you don't say it, it shouldn't count. For You're PG supposed to get one F word per PG-13. We get no, it's zero. intention. It's all intention. Yeah. Intention. Yeah, oh, okay. Right. I guess I lose this argument. <laughs> uh, well, all right. So, uh, Battleship opened at $25 million. Uh-huh. I know, yeah. Uh, beat by uh, <laughs> Avengers, of course. Uh uh-huh. Going strong for three weeks. My mom liked it more than the Avengers, and she loved the Avengers. Wait a minute. Wanted, yeah. What, your mom liked the the like Battleship more yes. than the Avengers. Yeah. Do you I have loved that? Avengers? Well, you know what? Let's uh, we'll get into that in a moment. What Kelly Warren's mom thinks of the Avengers? No, I'm curious to hear about this. I find that a provocative statement. I thought uh, that too. Metacritic and Rotten Tomatoes do not agree with your mom, Kelly Wand. Huh? I just want to say so. Uh, a Metacritic Battleship is at forty. And what Metacritic gauges is the average rating from reviews that give ratings. Whereas on Rotten Tomatoes, which uh, simply determines whether a review is positive or not, of all the reviews written of Battleship, 36% of them, it's a third of them, they're they're positive. The audience agrees with the critics for the only time. That happens sometimes. Uh, Like in this instance, yeah. Uh, so you never uh, see two forties though. It's either always a ninety nine or a zero agreement, but you never see two forties. Now I'm starting to really be interested in your uh, astrology. Kelly Wand, you're a veritable statistician. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I broke up your flow. <laughs> well, you know what? No, take it away because now Kelly Wand, I've been looking forward to this for a while. Why not? Because there were some things that confused me in the movie, and I'm hoping maybe oh. you can explain some of them. So we're just warning you, there are going to be spoilers in Kelly Wan's explanation of, of some of the plot twists and what happens. And uh, Kelly Wan, why don't you maybe uh, explain to us, I don't know how you would characterize that, the plot of Battleship. Oh, you mean a Battleshopsis? A Battleshopsis would be awesome. Rock and roll. See, because Dark Shadnopsis was the long O, because Shadow... Ah, I see. Grammar. <clears throat> Battleshopsis. 
so the movie screen typed some words to me about how some scientists found a planet just like ours in 2005, but then even the movie thinks this is TLDR. <laughs> <laughs> so to clarify what the astronomical term just like ours means, the movie cuts to some scientists in a room going, yeah, so this planet's in the Goldilocks zone, which means it's not too hot and not too cold. We made some CG here to help over-explain. See, the red CG with the bubbles, that represents the too hotness zone, a la the middle of the sun, while these blue icicles here refer to wind chill and snow cones, a la Vancouver. Although, according to Einstein, aliens that hate sunlight would probably evolve green CG to indicate any stuff in their HUDs that you can't shoot at in PG-13. Anyway, <laughs> the scientist is still talking, by the way. I hope that's clear. It's not me. So if it's stupid, it's him. Anyway, since this is the first alien world we've ever used CG to explain to ourselves, we're calling it Planet G, and just hoping there's a hypothetical Planet C out there, too, somewhere. Also, we transmitted a signal to Planet G just for fun, although it was expensive as fuck. What kind of signal? Asked the President's General's son. Uh, well, sir, because of the light years involved and public's disinterest, we found we'd be able to beam them like ten words. Uh, so we spent six weeks kind of working on that, uh, but ultimately we could only come up with two. Hawaii's undefended. <laughs> then a Jeff Goldblum guy with a beard leans over to us and whispers, Now I know how the Indians felt when they beamed CG at Columbus. <laughs> Historical footnote, much like a battleship. Columbus got his ass handed to him by Indians and his own guys repeatedly and died a penniless loser. But I get it. The aliens are Columbus because Columbus was a sailor. And this movie isn't trying to get us to identify with nautical types. I guess in War of the Worlds, we were the Indians, too, except that we gave them the pox infested blankets. Human infested destiny. Meanwhile, the guy from John Carter is getting drunk with his brother in a bar, but the brother disapproves because he's a dumbass and a fuck-up. Since he's the star of the movie, though, this means he has untapped potential and is a natural leader. Also, if you want to tell your brother to sober up, always take him to a bar first and get him loaded. The fuck-up's name something like Jeep Hopper. He's eyeballing this hot 22-year-old blonde chick who just traipsed in to zero male attention in the packed bar except for Jeep Hoppers. And ask the bartender for a chicken burrito. He shuts the door of the microwave behind the bar counter and goes, Sorry, hot blonde admiral's daughter, kitchen's closed. But she's all, come on, dude, I'm a 22-year-old blonde admiral's daughter. All we eat is chicken burritos. But he's all, kitchen's closed, honey, you saw me shut the microwave. Jeep Hopper tells his brother, hey, watch me bag that blonde chick. And the brother's all, dude, if she really wanted a chicken burrito, she could have just gotten one at the Sullivan across the street that always closes six minutes after the bar does. But Jeep says his signature catchphrase, fuck people's lives, I'm going in, and pulls out Banaka and sprays it in his brother's eye by accident, except it's Mace, and then staggers drunkenly over to the chick and vomits in her lap, and the brother calls out, great start. <clears throat> the blonde promises to sleep with Jeep if he can get her a chicken burrito, but only if it's in five minutes, because by then she's not going to be hungry anymore. So he goes to the Sullivan across the street, but the Asian chick who runs it cock blocks him there by shutting the door and goes, We closed, white man, you crazy! And he's all, But you're a convenience store, you're open all night. And she's all, No, fuck you, I shut door! Kitchen closed! But because he has leadership potential, it takes him less than five minutes for the Asian chick to close up and leave, and then for him to sneak onto the roof, drop into the Sullivan, find the burrito, microwave it, sniff it, 
Fuck, it's beef and liver. Eat it. Find a chicken one, microwave that one, take it out, eat it. Find another one for the blonde chick, microwave that one. Fuck, plug in the fucking microwave, microwave again. Climb back onto the roof, fall back down into the store on top of the salad dressing. Trip backwards, smash out the window, steal a car, accidentally drive it in reverse back into the Celebin. Pull the car up onto the roof, drive it off the roof into the alley. Try to open the driver's side door, stuck against the wall, won't open. Other door, fuck. Out the sunroof, back into the convenience store, hungry again. One more burrito, take a nap, steal another car, use it to ram the first car out of the alley, get into that car, drive it two feet till it crashes into the police car, get tasered, crawl up to the blonde chicken, hand the burrito to her and go, here, didn't have time to microwave both sides, but the taser, see, it's smoking. And she's all, thanks, but that was more like five minutes and three seconds. Fortunately, Jeep's brother bails him out of jail. And goes, that does it. We're both joining the Navy. New new two weeks passed. <laughs> See, I did the hard part, and then it got easy, and I choked. But anyway, Jeep's now a lieutenant on a destroyer, because you never know when you're going to need the Navy in Afghanistan. He also gets kicked in the face by a Japanese guy in the middle of a soccer match between the U.S. and Japan being held on Hawaii. Sounds a bit like a grudge match of the millennium, but Jeep sucks and loses the game. He also wants to marry the blonde chick, because unlike the last 900 blonde chicks he got tasered for, this chick's a chick of substance. But he's too big a pussy to ask her dad if he can marry her, which apparently people still do in 2012, because he's the Admiral and Liam Neeson. So he sends the blonde chick in to soften him up by going, Hopper wants to talk to you about marrying me, Daddy. And Liam Neeson's all, Ugh, the John Carter guy? And why do you call him by his last name, damn it? It makes no sense when Stifler's mom did it, and damn your sweet blue eyes, it doesn't now. And she's all, oh, daddy, we look and sound so genetically alike. (laughs) For some reason, Jeep's late to some bullshit Navy dog and pony show, which is sufficient for an angry Liam Neeson to tell him, damn my daughter's sweet blue eyes, Hopper, you're smart and you have so much potential. (laughs) But it'll probably only rise to the surface if we get arbitrarily attacked by five alien ships during these war game maneuvers. Jeep feels so bad about hearing he needs to blow up aliens to win his father-in-law to be his respect that he sulks all the way to his lieutenant's cabin. A soldier devoid of ethnicity comes up to him and pats his back and goes, Hey, yo, when pretty boys look vaguely upset, I totally give a shit. But Jeep's inconsolable. Not just to the ethnicity guy, but to the Matt Damon-looking guy who's always afraid, to Rihanna, and to the 400 nameless extras. This is going to be the lamest Pearl Harbor recreation ever, Jeep moans handsomely. Meanwhile, five alien ships show up from Planet G and execute their carefully coordinated plan of world domination. One ship crashes into Hong Kong and blows up, where a Hong Kong kid starts to watch a building fall, but then gets bored and turns to look at us instead. His expression's all, meh. The other four ships splash into the water near Hawaii and enclose jeeps and the other destroyers in a big-ass fucking dome. Liam Neeson's on an aircraft carrier on the outside of the dome. Although if I was the alien, seems like the aircraft carrier and its fighters would be more fun to put the dome around. Liam Neeson can't do much against the aliens from his position, so he settles for hanging up on the president and barking shit about planes for the rest of the movie. Way to purge the Lucas, Liam. (laughs) Taking down Liam Neeson. Since it's the first encounter between humans and intelligent alien species that's exhibited technology beyond our comprehension, we send Jeep over to the floating alien ships in a rubber dinghy with Rihanna, the guy devoid of ethnicity, and a Gatling gun. They pull up alongside it, and the ethnicity guy's all, You ever see anything like this? And Rihanna's all, 
well, Transformers and Battle LA and Skyline and District 9, but not this cheap, no. I know, huh? Jeep Hopper takes out a bullhorn and yells at the aliens, I'm Lieutenant Jeep Hopper, U.S. Navy. I'm trying to communicate with you. This instrument in my hands is called a bullhorn. Rihanna goes, sir, you got to turn it on first. Knob there. <laughs> so he clicks the knob and bellows. Hi, I'm Jeep Hopper, U.S. Navy. This is not your final warning. Do you have any syringes or loose change in your pockets? I am running low and have shore leave coming up. The mothership says nothing. Rihanna's all, sir, maybe they don't speak English. Hopper snorts at her. Uh, you see that paint job? They seem sufficiently advanced to me, Cupcake. Why don't you just go on back to playing with your stuffed animal bags and your uh, Gatling guns over there and let the Navy menfolk handle this? So then he walks onto the alien ship and in its fuselage and he sees an icon of a sailor getting electrocuted with a glowing skeleton. So he touches it and the ship tases him just like the cops and sends him <laughs> flying miles distant into the water. But he's okay. Rihanna's all, sir, come on, this is retarded. And he's all, stand down, I got this. Then he goes back onto the ship again and sees icons of alien lasers blowing up U.S. destroyers, and he button mashes and licks all those repeatedly and gets electrocuted again, and then the aliens get fed up and attack. Because even the aliens respect Jeep's untapped leader potential, they ignore Rihanna's chain gun love nibbles and have their ship courteously lift out of the water and float over the dinghy, then splash down on the other side and shoot lasers at everything. Because they don't have Jeep's leadership potential and first billing, his brother and all the other captains die and lose their ships. Jeep gets back to his ship and goes, Who's in charge here? I forget the regulations. <laughs> when someone says Jeep, Rihanna starts quietly sobbing. <laughs> Wouldn't that have been awesome? Jeep's all, Fuck, I'm with Rihanna on this one. Okay, look, I know my brother's dead, but maybe if we just prop up the top half of his skeleton in the captain's chair... <laughs> And the ethnicity guys all, if not you, sir, then who? You're the only white young male actor we got on board, except for the Matt Damon guy. I guess he's the C-3PO. So Jeep's all, all right, you know what? Awesome. I'm in charge. Forget everything I just said and ever said. And I'm about to say, gung-ho, bitches. Uh, left turn. Where's the horn at? All guns fire. Let's ram it. And they're all, uh, sir, the uh, guns all face different directions. Wouldn't it make more? I gave an order. Die senselessly. <laughs> That's an order. Luckily, they talk their troubled commander with leadership potential out of his suicidal ramming strategy by repeatedly saying there's men in the water. And also, luckily, the aliens decide not to blow them up for some reason, and then they fly to another part of the dome and do nothing for ten hours. <laughs> the Japanese guy who kicked Jeep in the mouth during soccer and a couple other surviving cliches come aboard, and Jeep tries to salve old wounds by telling the soccer guy... Yeah, I read Sun Tzu's Art of War six times, and it didn't make any sense to me. And the Japanese guy's all, This does not surprise me. And Jeep's all, Actually, I've read every book six times, and none of them make sense. Gonna give him maybe nine more tries, and then fuck it. Meanwhile, Quartermaster Matt Damon comes in and goes, Sir, we found an alien with grappling hooks, although I told them not to. Thought maybe you should be the one to take the helmet off of it while we all stand around it, sir. Ineffectually. So Jeep goes to the capstan bowsprit, and somehow an alien dissection scene turns into Jeep fist-fighting, I think a different alien, all by himself on the deck of the destroyer. And luckily, it turns out aliens do long double-takes when they hear cannons swiveling towards their heads, which Jeep would understandably know, because of his untapped etc., etc. 
Anyway, because Matt Damon took a picture of his lizard at the beach one time, he realizes the aliens hate sunlight, which is weird since they're from a Goldilocks planet like ours, I thought. But basically, they have to wear space helmets with clunky visors on them or they're blind. Because faster than light travel doesn't mean you have contact lens tech yet. Also, since the aliens hate sunlight and would supposedly have a huge advantage at night, they can't see shit at night either. And when the Japanese guy says, they can't see us, we can't see them, I just figure that since he's not a scientist, it's a Japanese thing. Meanwhile, in the war room, the general sends all, here we are in battleship, and a scientist goes, oh yeah, good news, even though the aliens have ships and domes and metal suits and tons of shit we don't understand, for some reason they need our satellite that comes into orbit over Hawaii one hour out of every 24 to call their home planet. So we're looking at an extinction-level event. And the general sends all, wait, I thought they came from Planet G originally. Why do they need to send anything? Plus, we sent them the signal in the first place. So what the fuck kind of retarded-ass plot you call? And the scientist is all, yeah, sorry, I wish we could be more help. Maybe try getting more battleships, shooting guns at stuff, <laughs> using old men uh, to fire them, not as ammo. That'd be dumb. Mean Noel. Mean Noel. <laughs> The blood chick's a physical therapist whose job is to make this one bitter black dude with, with prosthetic metal legs walk up a mountain with her all day. The black dude's a real spitfire. He says shit like, when I lost my legs, the fight went out of me. But he also says, my grandma could have climbed this mountain, so we know what's up. Anyway, she's all, so what else you got made out of metal down there? While well, some cops pull up beside him and go, hey, you guys, get off this mountain. Aliens, it's the law. Then they drive <laughs> off again. <laughs> the blonde chick's all, oh, well, I guess physical therapy's not for me, and starts to go back. But the black guy's all, I ain't never seen no alien. You ever ain't not seen no alien? They wander around till they find the aliens, wreck the cop cars, and then the blonde chick almost gets killed, but a horse yawns, so nothing happens. <laughs> they meet up with the Goldblum scientist to make him steal some luggage. He almost gets killed by an alien, too, but luckily it puts its hand over his face and nothing happens, so he runs away! Hooray for science! Meanwhile, Jeep discovers his inner third act and takes out some of the aliens in a fight, but he also loses his second ship of the day. For some reason, the only other unsunk ship in Hawaii is a retired battleship that hasn't run in 50 years. But also, luckily, the last five old men from World War II who are still alive all happen to crew a battleship and are just enough needed and in the area, too. Jeep brings these codgers aboard and goes, Hey, look, I found these hundred-year-old guys doing custodial work behind the museum. For them to have been adults in 1943 means they couldn't have been much higher ranked than cabin boys. But meet our new crew! He claps hopefully. The old men scowl and mutter and draw guns on, on the Japanese guy. And they're all, eh, Tojo over here. <laughs> and Jeep's all, whoa, whoa, easy, Gramps, they're with me. You see, Jasper, these are our key demographics. I mean, allies now, women and Japanese people. Right now we're at war with this place called Planet G, and nobody knows why. And they spit tobacco and feistily boss Rihanna around. Jeep ingeniously tricks the aliens by turning the battleship cannons on his own captain's bridge and blowing it up and sinking his own battleship. As they cling to debris while shark fins circle them, he tells the Japanese guy, Now I get it, an art of war when it's all fight where your enemy's not. Blowing up your own ship's what it meant, right? Like when I kicked that soccer ball and missed the net by three miles. <laughs> I bet I'm part Asian, huh? And the Japanese dude's all, What the book says is fight where they are, idiot. So the aliens conquer the Earth. They give medals to Jeep and the Cyborg for helping make it amusing. 
Jeep proposes to Liam Neeson, whose response is, let's share a chicken burrito. And Jeep saw, well, your daughter told you I got tased trying to hand her food, and you still called me smart? And Liam Neeson saw, that a pass, Lieutenant? JK, let's go grab those burritos and take shits together afterwards. My toilet's a two-seater. Uh, sir, your daughter's standing right there ten feet away. Shouldn't we invite her to lunch with us? <laughs> ah, I like you. They walk off. And the blonde chick who didn't get a medal shrugs blondly at the camera and gives us a thumbs up. That's blonde speak for Mahala, motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Well, Kelly Wan, thank you. Thank you so much. I didn't miss anything. Well, if you didn't stay for the end, you did. Oh, there was an Easter egg? Oh, I didn't stay for the end. I was out of there as soon as I could possibly get out. What did we miss, Dingus? Starting not mind missing Easter eggs anymore. Well, you didn't, but you missed uh, an extended uh, explanation from Peter Berg that he thinks this is an origin story. I don't believe you for a second. Wait, he uh, just comes on screen after the credits and goes. No, no, no. It's used. It's, it's uh, <laughs> three three boys in Scotland walking past some sheep, and they find find a piece of space debris, and a, a lovable Scottish character comes in his tow truck and says, "I can open this." And then we have about ten minutes of him using a chainsaw on it, and then a blowtorch. And he opens it, and then we see an alien hand come out. Dun dun dun. What? What game's that? Operation? It, no. because I, I don't believe you for a second. This really happened. Why would he make something up that elaborate? Though? That makes because no sense. What is he trying to say? What? You think Stop. this is an origin story? This is just the beginning of the alien invasion, and we'll have many more battleships to come. In Scotland? I don't yeah, know. what's the point of Scotland in the... What, don't it, you remember somebody said uh, somebody said during the movie, and something fell in Scotland, too? I uh, thought they just rattled <laughs> off a bunch of places. Yeah, so. I wasn't. I didn't realize dialogue meant... <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, they rattled off a bunch of places, meant, but they said, they said Scotland. Somebody made a point of Scotland, and after the credits, we got to see a long scene of, uh, of them releasing an alien from a pod in Scotland. What? So I guess that's in Battleship 2? It's just going to be like a fish-out-of-water story about the alien trying to they get into Scotland? The, yeah, they have to take the battleship up into Scotland to hunt yep. down one alien. <laughs> that's that's the origin. That, that's the main story that this piffle <laughs> that Peter Berg's calling an origin story was setting up grandly. See, this, is all a, this is all a diversion. I don't, I don't believe you. I think we're being trolled, Tom. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right, Kelly Wand. I'm not sure whether or not to buy this. Uh did you guys really not stay till after the credits? Neither Good one. Lord, did. no. Oh, I was out of there so fast. I had given that movie far too much time already. I had, yeah, I had to go play Diablo three. Oh, and and, and forward his ports. Yeah, I had routers to reroute. And uh, what was the real Easter egg then? Yeah, what really happened, Dingus? Did they find Thor's hammer? Was it? Uh, it was a. It was a commercial for um, Iron Man. All right. I can see we're not going to get anything useful out of Dingus for this podcast. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, I do think we are not in any danger of seeing a sequel. Uh, so, real quick, no one's going to... No, made $200 million outside America. We're the only country that doesn't get it. Are you serious? Yeah. They made $200 million. They released everywhere but America. What's that tell you, what they think of it? See, they're geniuses. We're no, the I, don't, I don't think... No, I think this is a, a dead end. I, don't, I, don't, I can't imagine. First of all, it's weird... I mean, I guess Transformers did fine, but it was so weird sitting in a theater and seeing a big, fat Hasbro logo before yeah. the movie. I know. 
that just felt. I, I'm bare, I'm only now starting to get used to that silly Marvel Comics flipping thing. Like that now, I don't snicker at so much. But it's going to be a long time before I can get used to seeing like Hasbro. Well, comics had stories in them. Toys are just the whole idea of toys was they were selling the movie, right? That sold you the story, right? And now they went, oh wait, no one gives a shit about the story. Let's just. <laughs> and you know what? So here's what what really uh, sort of led me astray with this thing. Uh, early on, I was thinking, oh, so Peter Berg, this is going to be like a Michael Bay movie with a sense of humor. Like he did that whole right. bit with him finding the burrito, and that yeah. was like a nod to that famous YouTube video of the guy robbing the 7-Eleven. I mean... It is? Oh, yeah, yeah. There's, that's a, like, there's pink stole music. That. He totally stole that from an actual YouTube, like a surveillance video that's posted on YouTube. I mean, it's, it's very 2005, ha, 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 but that's like an old shtick is seeing the guy robbing the convenience uh, store, right. setting up the ladder, falling down on the shelves. That's like a real thing. So he's got that going in the soccer game. And I was thinking, soccer, really? Like, Is this like yeah. a, is this a riff? Maybe is this like a joke? Fuck you, on, America. <laughs> well, I was thinking like Top Gun had volleyball. So maybe it's going to be kind of jokey. And, and so there were a few things where I was, I was thinking that, you know, maybe Peter Berg is just going to make this whole big thing a goof. Uh, and so early on, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm down with this. I'm down with a Michael Bay movie that makes fun of itself, that doesn't take itself seriously. But, man, that got that went out the window pretty quick. Uh, like, this thing just became just so, like, long and earnest. And even when it was doing stupid things, like the, the battleship swinging around on the anchor chain, like... Like, there's almost a scene of the battleship surfing sideways, kind of. Uh, uh, I don't think... And, and the, the old men, like the old men working in the USS Missouri... That should have been a joke. Like, that should have been a, a, a gag. And Well, those guys all die, too. So if it wasn't a joke, it would have been, oh, well, we just lost all the greatest generation fighting of aliens. Did they not show them in the, the lifeboats afterwards or something? I guess it was. Um, yeah. They gave their lives. Well, I did notice, because uh, we're always looking out for this, you know, when you see big scenes of urban destruction, is the movie going to pretend no one d- died? But no, we got a, well, I, like, I think I wrote a 25,000 uh, deaths. Didn't someone refer to 25,000? Yeah, a guy says it. You don't see 25,000 deaths. Right, but no, but but to, to Battleship's credit, they killed 25,000 people in this movie. For nothing. It's adopted. <laughs> So so there's my only defense that I can mount. Is that early on I was like, ah, Peter Berg is going to do this whole big thing. He's been handed a board game license, so he's just going to goof on it for two hours. And instead, none of that. So that's that's the that's the most positive thing I can possibly think of to say about this thing. Anybody anybody have anything uh, nice they can say? Uh, I understand why the ships want to take on our boats. As opposed to our trains, or I understand. I understand why I'm, I'm supposed to root for the humans in alien invasion movies. I understand why every character in a summer movie has to have only one chick and then has to marry them every uh, time, like Iron Man. It's like cheaper to rent, bro. <laughs> so basically, you're taking issue with the sexual mores that are being presented here. Yeah, you don't got to marry. That's he's going to marry the Admiral's daughter. That would be. It sounds like you're you're bucking for an R rating, Kelly Wand. Well, we we didn't even get the one F word that PG thirteen. So right, we didn't get the one. But what we did get was we alluded to two F words. See, that's like actually saying it once is alluding to it twice. 
And they actually did the edit where the second mother effer, like, they cut to another character saying the word something fun. Like, I, so it sounded like mother fun, like when you <laughs> you bleed the scenes together, like, quickly. That's the PG-13 version of it. Right, right. Mother yeah. fun. Right. <laughs> it's mom friendly. So, anyway. Dingus, Kelly Wan couldn't think of anything nice to say about this movie. Can oh, yeah, you? I forgot that was the question. No, no, I understand. I understand it's difficult, Kelly Wan. I, I struggled with this myself. Let's see how Dingus does. Dingus, can you say anything nice about Peter Berg's battleship? Uh, sure. I mean, um, the point you're making about uh, Michael Bay um, makes it difficult for me because I find it actively offensive because of that. Um, wait, but wait, the, wait, what do you mean actively? Are you talking about Michael Bay or Battleship? Battleship. Uh, okay. Because... I hated Pearl Harbor so much. It right. just, it bothered me. It really bothered me. I just, I, the the mental image of the sailor flying and just smacking into the propeller mm-hmm. and just thinking that this movie has no honor to it whatsoever. And then for this movie to sort of take that up a notch, ah, right. um, to, to take that up a notch with uh, Korean War heroes and to start with the Pink Panther theme and the theme you're talking about and, and you feel like, okay, I'm supposed to laugh. And then we're also supposed to feel jingoistic or something. Uh, I just got so annoyed. But the, the the couple of things that I could say nice about it was I, I liked the couple of nods it gave to the game, the board game. I, I think that the, oh, that was God. cute. I like that. <laughs> That's the only oh. nice thing I can say. I was just so put out with the movie at this point. I, that... that... That to me, Dingus, because I don't have, I understand your issue and I, that stuff doesn't really bother me so much. That to me was more offensive. Like, oh my god, they had to shoehorn in two references to the game Battleship. That's all they could get, first of all. And <laughs> things that tenuous, yeah. they felt the need to like waste my time making me watch that grid search, which, re- oh god. No, I found <laughs> I that way. That. I, I, it made me kind of feel like, okay, that's why you named it this. Uh, that's fine. Other, it's not just. We're, we're going on the coattails of some property. I like that. And, and of course, um, I, I just love, I love Tadanabu Asano. I think he's the only good thing in the movie. Uh, I know it, it's a ridiculous character, but I, I really like that guy. Oh. And I think he makes the most of it. Well, you know, I want to get to him in a second, but Dingus, so I want to just explain part of why I couldn't enjoy what you're talking about with the little pegs. So the two nods, of course, are the the canisters that the alien ships shoot are like the pegs. And Dingus, when you tried, or when somebody tried to tell me this before, I didn't believe him. But yeah, that's that's clearly a nod to the pegs in the game Battleship. And then that whole scene where they're isolating the location of the alien ships using a grid. So the reason that I found those offensive, and Kelly Wan, I suspect you'll be with me on this is I could imagine these two jerks who wrote the script, and I call them jerks because the script is so just irredeemably just stupid and shoddy and just without any merit whatsoever. I, the guys that wrote this, I'm just mad at them. If, if, if you get the opportunity to have this kind of like budget, at least do something like, like, like fun or put in some cleverness or so. I just I hated their script. So I could just picture in my head they probably were pretty proud of themselves for putting into this stupid script two nods to the board game. Yeah. And I just don't want to give them any credit whatsoever. So I, I'm just sort of like trying to look behind the scenes at the creative process. I don't like these guys, and I don't want to give them credit for how clever they think they might have been by putting in those nods. I think they're probably geniuses is the yeah. worst part of it. So Dingus, it's purely a personal grudge on my part, and it sounds like you share that with me, Kelly Wand. Here's another uh, one. Here's another way where I, I really hate these guys. I think they're freaking naming the two lead characters after themselves. 
What do you mean? Did you guys catch that? No. Alex and... No, no, no. They're last names. What are the last names? Like Sue. Oh, Hopper. All right. Because the two characters are named Hopper, the two brothers, and the the screenwriters are Hober, like H-O-E-B-E-R. What? You don't think that... You think that's a coincidence? Wait, is that the only part? No, all the names are stupid. I mean... Uh, Brooklyn Decker's named Samantha Shane. I, all, all, the, all of them are named stupid things. Admiral Shane. But see, Stone, I would, the guy's named Stone Hopper. Right, Stone. Stone. But I really do think they named their characters Hopper because their names are Hoover. Like they, that, I really think that that was no accident. So it makes I'm just so annoyed at these guys. They lived those experiences in Hawaii. It's, <laughs> so so this I don't know is, why you're not. It's an autobiographical story. This is a biopic. It's a biopic, and therefore not a movie by my standard. <laughs> As opposed to documentaries. <laughs> um, tell us who uh, Tadanobu Asano is. And I, yeah, God, I, I feel so awful saying his name because I'm sure I'm doing it wrong. But tell us who this guy is and why we should care. Well, he plays Captain Yugi Nagata, who is the uh, the Japanese captain who kicks uh, Kitch in the face. Which, thank you for doing that. Thank you. Yeah, I want to buy that guy lunch. Actually, <laughs> um, and uh, he's. I didn't realize that he was the guy from Last Life in the Universe until I just clicked on his IMDb page and saw that picture of him, and I'm like, oh, God, that's the guy from Last Life in the Universe. Um, he's also, I think, in Thor and, and some other things, but I just love that guy so much. The thing is, I think actually and, most folks know him from some uh, Miyake, Miike movies, uh, like Ichi. Oh, that's right, he's Ichi, yeah. Yeah, but he, he definitely has a long collaboration with uh, with uh, Miike, so... But I so really like it. that guy, and I think he's the only one who has any sense of of uh, a real character in the movie. Dingus, the only one. Why you got to be dissing Rihanna? Oh my yeah. god! You That's like a sexist. it's like a Saturday Night Live sketch. Whenever she gets behind a gun, that's so funny. <laughs> when was the last time? When was the last movie she was? I, I actually I wasn't aware that she'd been in another. Oh, you're talking about in this movie every time. In this movie, whenever she draws a gun or, or she runs to the CIC to get, oh, I'm gonna get up there. And whenever she's doing anything, it feels like a Saturday Night Live sketch. It's just great. I can't stand her. I don't understand why they would do that. I don't That's understand any of the casting in this freaking movie. But it's what Kelly Wan said in the synopsis: is demographics. Yeah. I mean, this movie. This is like line for this, line. Yeah, I've said this of other movies, but this isn't a movie. This is a product. Uh, which is just so, and, and I'm just so disappointed in Peter Berg, but I... It makes you know, Tower Heist look like the conversation. Mm-hmm. Get back to your thoughts. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's going to plague me, Kelly Wan. I don't know if I can get on board with you. <laughs> what are you going to say now? Kelly Wan, you have officially flummoxed me. See? I, I, don't, I don't know how to process that. I buffer overflow. <laughs> Did it ever annoy you in the board game that the ships don't move in Battleship? <laughs> That always annoyed me. I wanted to move them. And then you could move them and kind of cheat. And then that made it a shitty game, too. But yeah, I would only do it with people who cheated. So I was just like paying it back. I was like Robin Hood. Uh, Kelly Wan, what if you're handed, okay, like Hasbro comes to you and they're like, Kelly Wan, we have this board game. We don't know what to do with it. Let's make a movie. Operation, if they gave me that, I'd go, you make it like Fantastic Voyage, and you shrink them down. Ah, I like that. I was thinking like a weird torture porn kind of thing, but I like your take Monopoly, on. the aliens invade Wall Street. <laughs> Although you could just save money by just showing an alien playing an old man with a mustache. A Didn't we mustache. see... Oh, you know what? I, I'm just not, there was an Operation product placement in something we saw recently. You guys... It was uh, Dark Shadows. Ah, elect- I Kelly Wand. He electrocuted himself. You got me good. Yeah, we learned something about vampires. (laughs) (laughs) 
G. Popper likes to get electrocuted too. He's like the. I did not even make that connection. That was good, Kelly Wand. Yeah. See? Uh, there's I have I have a lot of I had a lot of time to think in, during Battleship because there's so it used to be like if you had like a bitter black dude like he wouldn't just say I lost my fight when I lost my legs like they'd have to show that somehow movie style like he wouldn't just say it you'd have to indirectly bank shot that but now they just like tell you the story beat verbatim I'm bitter. I'm going to climb a mountain and find myself in the third act. They just tell you. (laughs) I have a question about that, and I feel bad raising this question, but it seemed to me he was obviously not an actor. So were they they filming with a guy who'd actually lost his legs? And if so, should I feel bad about saying that he's obviously not an actor? He sometimes acts, but he did lose his legs in uh, in Iraq. I think actually... Oh, God, oh, now I feel awful. Sorry, uh-huh. it was actually after leaving a funeral. Um, Treat him like everyone else, you terrible yeah. fucking. All right, actor. you know, fair point. So, Dingus, yeah, tell us what happened to him. So, he this this was an actual guy who'd lost his legs. What, what happened? He was leaving a funeral of somebody else. I believe. I think that's the story. He was leaving the funeral of somebody else who had died, um, and and there was a roadside bomb when he was leaving the funeral, and that's how he lost his legs. Never go to funerals. <laughs> That's the lesson. Well, so no, here's what bothers me about that. Then is I, the guy was awful and he embarrassed himself. And if I was like a director, I, I mean, what, he's barely in the movie. Like he's. But here's he's, the thing, Kelly Wan. He's barely in the movie. But when he's with the movie, he's w- in the movie. He's with the other worst actor in the movie. Like it, w- all the who? scenes with him, that girl, that that blonde non-entity. She's not the chick. worst. Movie. But they're blonde chicks are all the same. Like, That's what I'm saying. So if you're gonna put a guy like that who's not an actor in a movie, it's like we saw, and I'm already blanking on her name. That's how much. It's like we saw in Haywire. Oh, Gina Carano. Gina Carano, not an actor. But what Steven Soderbergh knows to do is to put her with actors who can make her look good, and it works. Fun. I mean, she was great. I loved her in Haywire. So that's what you do with a guy like, and I don't know his name, but the, the fellow who lost his legs. You know, I, I feel awful that that happened to him. And in a way, I, I applaud going to someone like that rather than just CGing out another actor's legs. But they just made the guy look awful. They gave him bad lines. They didn't give him anyone to work with. And it just, it, I just, just was embarrassed for the poor guy. Uh, well, they're trying the smoke and mirrors, the opposite strategy. Like, put him with the, the worst actress. But she's really hot, so you'll look at her and not notice his acting. No, I think you're supposed to notice him, and you're supposed to fall for... His name's Gregory Gadsden, by the way. You're supposed to do... You're supposed to have the impression Tom's talking about. Uh, divorced from the offensive part, you're supposed to go, hey, that's a real soldier, I'm supposed to feel something. Just like those Korean guys from the Korean War. You're supposed to get this feeling of authenticity about it, and that's what's so offensive about it. Because oh wait, so he, he's those not any good. Were, oh my gosh, so the same with those old men? Those were actual war veterans? I, I don't know that. I just assume that because they were awful too. And <laughs> I would think get some old character out. What if they were draft dodgers and now they're <laughs> cashed in? <laughs> Uh, Dingus is bringing me around now. I'm even more offended by the movie. Before, I just didn't like it. Now I think I'm in Dingus' camp. You're supposed to be heartwarmed that they blew up aliens together <laughs> and died <laughs> because G. Hansen led them to their death. Uh, I'm like so happy that you remember his whole name. That makes me happier and happier. <laughs> uh, all right, what did we think of these aliens? Oh, dude, so much better than the Battle LA ones. Because God, I don't even remember the Battle LA ones. What were those? You didn't get to see them. 
That was the. Oh no no! You do at the end. He fights him at they're the in, end. They're in Halo. They're in Halo suits too. Well, Dingus, that's what I was. That's what caught. Yeah. That's what really got my attention. Is you know people going to see. You know one of the target target demographics for this movie is kids too young to know. I guess this isn't true anymore. I was going to say kids too young to know the game Battleship, but it's been re-released. It's out. I know Dingus has played it with his son, for instance. But I'm watching the movie thinking, you know what? These aliens look like Master Chief. And to the to the average video game kid's eye, these aliens look like good guys. Like that's a really stupid choice for production design is designing the aliens to look like Master Chief. I thought that was really weird. Uh, you know, we're used to seeing that kind of suit, associating it with Halo, and thinking, "Hey, that's the good guy." So I didn't get what was up with that. They have those beards, get... though. <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> that's true. They did look like old hillbillies or something. Yeah. Go They look like uh, Oompa Loompas. Oh God! <laughs> when, the beard, fears of <laughs> when the beard when the beard shoots out the first time, I thought it was like crystalline and was going to cut them or something. But then it just turns out to be hillbilly beards, like they're goats. Yeah. So, and what the heck kind of boat hops through the water? Oh, it does a breaststroke. I love that. I don't understand any of this. Any of these alien ships that are leftovers from Transformers movies that just go ching chong, ching chong, ching chong, all the metal moving all the time. Wait. Like, what the hell are yeah, these yeah. things? The, but the human weapons do that, too. Yeah, that knife they, it takes ten minutes. The <laughs> alien, like, okay, you're coming. <laughs> Be with you in just a minute. Let me finish this. Hang on, yeah. All right, I'm going to shoot you 60 times while you finish. <laughs> when Dingus did that noise, it was racist, by the way. I wasn't going to say anything. I uh, made it sound metallic, not like a... Asian people. Dingus gave it an ethnic flavor I was very uncomfortable with. Yeah, yeah. But no, that was my thought, too. Is everything a freaking Transformers now? I mean, oh, good lord. And and those little metal balls. Like, what was with those little angry metal razor ball things? You, actually, you guys didn't see uh, Darkest Hour, which is another crappy uh, alien invasion movie. Same little things in Darkest Hour. Little angry metal spinning ball things. Uh, huh. Do I want to see it? Oh, good lord, no. I what prefer my hours medium strategy. Tone. What is the strategy of this attack? Yeah. I mean, I, I could overlook I... it in the Avengers with the guys on the weird flying motorcycles. But what is the strategy of this attack? Why don't they just bring, why don't they, instead of bringing, come in with five guys, just come in with everybody. If they're going. <laughs> We're going to send some flying things that will take out part of a freeway, but not a kid playing baseball. Why? Yeah, so that, that uh, was the strategy of the attack there is destroy, like, a... a one eighth of a mile segment of the infrastructure. Like, so, oh, I also, yeah. Uh, I also like when the kid goes, "Dad," but you, there's no cutaway to the dad, so we don't know if the dad <laughs> left him there to die. That kid, or like Peter Berg doesn't give a shit about the kid or the dad. Like, eh. I did notice. So this is again. This is like me studying the uh, the text crawls for the newscasts in Green Hornet. Uh, I don't know if you guys caught this. When the aliens look at a horse on the HUD, there's a little horseshoe. Yeah, that's the only thing. Ah, That's that's the only danger item. Yeah, it's a horseshoe. Yeah, careful. Uh, (laughs) The metal might abrade your spacesuit a little bit. Uh, This the the gimmick with and and also I was real unclear on. So wait a minute, they're closed in a dome, but they can still sail to Oahu. Yeah. Uh, that that really confused me. Who's on the outside of the dome? Who's on the inside? And I think they didn't care. They lost track of that. But this should have been hilarious when the ship uh, snipes machine guns, torpedoes, 
shoots missiles and blinds in the sunlight the alien ship. Like yeah. I cannot believe the the audacity, the just inane audacity of that sequence right there. It uh, shot. They shot out the windshield. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that just traveled through space, by the way, from outside the solar system. But it we can't shoot their face masks, but yeah, we but can shoot their windshield. Right. With 50-year-old technology from the 40s. Oh, Mr. President, there's no such things as submarines in this movie. Oh, that's right. They I know. Just... I thought of that, too. Yeah. Well, we did get a gratuitous shot of a shark, and at that point I was like, ah, we're going to go to submarines now. And no, no, no. Oh, wait, one that's why you thought, you thought, you saw a shark and went, oh, submarines. Well, yeah, because they mentioned they're going to be on, they're going to go sub hunting. So I figured there was going to be a sub, and there's submarines in Battleship, the board game, of right. course. Exactly. So I figured now we're going to get like some cool underwater photography and action sequences. When I saw that shark, and then uh, we we got none of that. I was they also really- made a point of saying the sphere is like a mile deep. Too. Exactly. Like, right. Right. Uh, didn't matter. I also want to say I'm going on the record as saying I was offended by the bit where they do the Costa Concordia maneuver, slewing in close to the shore, I personally feel it's too soon. What's the Concordia maneuver? That's where you hot dog by uh, floating a big ship too close to shore, potentially getting it stuck and killing tourists. Uh, Okay, who spotted the Star Wars reference? Me, me. Dingus, what do you think was a Star Wars reference? I know you have one for every movie. Many movies, you have more than one. What did you feel was a Star Wars reference that obviously wasn't, I'll just say, in Battleship? Uh, bad, like we're going to need a new planet bad. So I that, that, again, I'm just angry at the writers for how awful they are. What kind of rejoinder? Like when you say, I've got a bad feeling about this, the line can end. You do not need, no one would ever ask during an alien invasion when someone says, i got a bad feeling about this. Nobody is ever going to ask what kind yeah. of bad feeling. <laughs> like what the hell kind of dialogue was that? You should just go, I was just kidding. It's <laughs> yeah, a rhetorical question. Don't even answer yeah. that. Uh, good lord. Uh, any good dialogue? <laughs> I can't even really say that with a straight face. Anything? I I did like it when Liam Neeson said, the fact that you know that infuriates me. Was Liam Neeson in this? I don't remember him. Are you sure he was in this? He looked at the dome through binoculars. That was kind of <laughs> badass. Uh, it really did feel like they just got Liam Neeson and Alexander Sarsgaard for, you know, two or three days. <laughs> they were just like, thanks, guys. We're going to put you on the poster, though. That's a strike for you guys going yeah. home. We'll stay here and work with this Taylor fella. So nice work. Yeah, we have a good feeling about him. Wow. Just Taylor Kitsch's name. It's so obscene. Um, Anyone having a good feeling about Taylor Kitsch? That that's pretty obscene. I was, I would say, but I was being the marketing. Or, I, well, I I'm not saying you're a boob, but this is boobish behavior. Hey, Kelly Wan, we all know that you were the guy gunning for us to see John Carter of Mars. I, I think you've got some sort of ulterior motives going on with uh, this Taylor I Kitsch just, fellow. As opposed to your Paul Walker leather fetish. Once again, why are they pushing this guy on us? Because it's Sam, Sam Worthington was last year. We're going to make you like him. Yeah. In every movie until Jeremy Renner takes over for every and I do want to point out, Paul Walker's an established actor. He's done actual performances. Paul Walker, like... He was amazing in Hamlet with Anthony Hopkins. Come on, you're joking around, but see Eight Below, for instance. You know what? He can hold his own against a bunch of cute dogs. That's all I'm saying. Uh, 
<laughs> Excellent rebuttal. Yeah. Uh, let's do a three by three. These are your three favorite Paul Walker appearances. Oh, no, sorry. That's my other one. Uh, here you go. This week's three oh. by three. I call these, uh, and I tried to think of something snappier. I got nothing. I call these triumphs over silliness. Uh, this will be a very subjective one. It's where something is really silly in a movie, but the movie somehow managed to overcome the silliness. I gave examples of uh, where that fails, where the silliness ends up triumphing, such as Brian Cox's wig in Troy. Um, I forgot what other ones I mentioned. Uh, oh, the, the Magneto hat. That's, to me, the famous one. Every time, even if you got great actors like Ian McKellen or Michael Fassbinder or who else has played Magneto? Hugh Jackman. When you got those guys under that helmet, they still look silly. I think the silliness triumphs there. That's subjective, though. So Wait, Hugh Jackman? <laughs> who else has played helmet? Magneto? Yeah. The Magneto's like a lot of people in, in movie history have played him. So... Also, Loki's uh, hat. You loved Loki's hat. Loki's hat. But see, I think Tom Hiddleston, he can pull that off in a way that, you know, I think, like, even Olivier's Magneto did not work for me. Uh, it just still looks silly. So, there you go. What about Peter Cushing's Magneto? What about Olivier's Loki? The only Magneto that works for me is Daniel Day-Lewis. His Magneto was a, a fresh take on the character. He has a natural Magneto haircut. Daniel Day-Lewis? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't know that I know what his actual haircut looks like. He's he's a he's a veritable uh, chameleon. That guy. He's a cipher. That, that's the first of two, at least two Daniel Day Lewis mentions we'll have on this podcast. Mm. Well, we'll get to that in a moment. But first, let's start with Kelly Wan's first choice for a triumph over silliness, because Kelly Wan you'll be introducing next week's three by three. What's your number three pick? Well, silliness isn't really my wheelhouse, but uh, <laughs> my number three is the nuking the fridge in Indiana Jones movie, I think was the name of it. Mm-hmm. I thought that part, the movie triumphed. But then later on, when Shia LaBeouf hands him a snake, the silliness triumphed. So there's a lot of silliness winning, but you thought that the refrigerator scene was the other way around. Yeah, the movie beat the silliness there. I think I think uh, people were too premature. It should have been the saying that should have been coined from that movie was he really handed them the snake. Handed them the snake or he really whacked them in the crotch with a flower. <laughs> he really that. blew the hat across to the wedding party when the right, right, exactly. door opened. He really, he really sucked down the dart from a blowgun, for instance. He really got the statue's head in his lap. He really he, surprised those prairie dogs. Ah, Dingus has a good He one. really went into another dimension and never used his psychic powers. <laughs> he really Kate Blanchetted. Yeah, lots of options. But yeah, you're right, Kelly Wan. I think we've talked about that before. I actually liked that. That was uh, about the only thing I can remember not hating about Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, whatever that was called. Yeah, uh, I, I, I wanted to see it. Yeah, all right. He really almost ran over the gopher. Would have been a good one. Well, that, w- that was like the one, that was like a cool touch. That was a cool setup is, hey, a nuclear bomb is going to go off. Even though Harrison Ford can't pronounce nuclear, he's going to now be exploded by a nuclear bomb. He's going to stumble into that test site. How's he going to get out of it? You, you know, that's what those pulp serials were made of is these unlikely escapes. And they were actually, made out of pulp. There was one in uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skulls, and people make fun of it when that was one of the few nice touches that movie had. So I'm with you, Kelly Wand. It's no more retarded than 
a life raft coming out of a plane. And oh, uh, see that one, I always thought, why don't people talk? Yeah. You know, why don't people say he dropped the life raft into the yeah. Himalayas? You know that that one, and then and then landed in India. Right. <laughs> that was way more ridiculous. No one that doesn't. No one gives a shit about that. Yeah. That's because they didn't. They the Indiana Jones movies didn't suck back then, so they could be allowed like one little goofy bit like that. Yeah, but if you go, oh, it, it nuked the fridge, then they'll never nuke another fridge, and that whole avenue of thought will be dead forever. But which movie do you like better, Temple of Doom or Crystal Skull? Temple of Doom. Temple of Doom. Yeah, yeah. yeah so that's a, that's a true triumph then. Hmm. What is the the raft? Yeah, it's a triumph over the silliness of the raft if you really like the movie, right? Did you pick that one, Dingus? No, but you made me want to. <laughs> uh, did So the little blocks on Short Round's feet, is that from something else? They're on the gas pedals, not his feet. You racist. Really? Okay. Is it, isn't there... Don't they have that... No, in, it's, it's on his no feet, deposit. so he can reach the gas pedals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And isn't that in a Coen Brothers movie? Isn't that in Oh Brother, We're Out There also? Or am I wrong about that? He's not in that one. No. Nope. Short round. <laughs> is there not depression, a... He was still in Hong Kong before it got hit by an alien ship. But is, is there not a child with blocks on his feet uh, driving a car in Oberon where art thou? Maybe not. I, I could be mistaken. But anyway, I, uh, so, okay. So, nuke the fridge. Good one, Kelly Wand. I'm with you 110% on that. Uh, let's go over to Dingus. Dingus, I'm curious what you've done with this, because I think you and I have very different ideas of silliness. Uh, um, what do you have for us for your number three spot? pass. Well, I'm just saying that because he likes the Magneto hat. Yeah, that's did, true. Does he like it to wear it or just as a prop? <laughs> that's what I wear to bed. <laughs> so nobody can find you with the cyclotron. On your head? Thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, worst conversation ever. All right, because you're number three triumph over silliness. What do, you, what do you got? I had a really hard time with this because I just kept thinking of uh, bad casting choices and good movies and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um. But uh, this this one, uh, I really tried to go with movies I really love that had one element that could be construed as silly. Okay. So uh, here's here's number three, and here's a quote from it. You wanted me. Here I am. See, I don't think that this was like a uh, one that I considered, but I cannot get over that part. And That's I hope Dingus it's not- is RoboCop, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think there's yeah. a like RoboCop kind of thing going on where he has to distinguish himself in the costume from the non-costumed character. But I just this, I, I feel like the silliness wins here. I can't get over that. Dingus, explain what it is. You don't like the silliness. You love that movie. I do, but I don't like the voice. I think it's, I can't. I watch it now, and I'm like, oh God, stop it, Christian. Not you. I, well, I, I know, and I, I have, okay. So we're talking about. I'm talking about the Dark Knight, and my my silliness is. Uh, Christian Bale's uh, ridiculous voice as the Dark Knight. Um, but my criteria is, do I still like the movie overall? Do I still ah. think the movie the movie triumphs over that particular silliness? I see. And I, I think the movie triumphs over that, even though that sticks in my craw every time. Um, and this is when I would... I mean, it's, it's kind of unfair. I don't know any actor who could have stood up against Heath Ledger in that interrogation scene, save Daniel Day-Lewis... Um, so it's kind of unfair because Heath Ledger's doing such interesting things with his voice. I can understand Christian Bale kind of feeling like I gotta do something with my voice. <laughs> and but the problem is he he just it's it's really annoying, and I kept trying to overlook it, and it's really hard to overlook. But but when you said triumphs over silliness, I see it as 
I think the movie itself is is greater than that some of its parts. Okay. Because for me, these were things that were no longer silly that I could accept. Uh, and I just cannot get up past that voice. And, and Dingus, didn't he back himself into that corner in the first movie, though? Like, wasn't, didn't Batman talk funny in the Batman Begins one? I don't really remember. I, I don't remember. I don't remember. Okay. But yeah, I think like he, I, I love your, your image there. I love poor Christian Bale saying, man, this Heath Ledger guy is good. I got to step up my game. I know. I'll do a voice. Uh, but I do think that he had done that before in, in Batman Begins. Uh, and I just hope maybe he'll stop doing it in the next one. I, I don't know. But I just, oh, God, I just hate seeing that. Uh, and I like Christian Bale. Like I think he's a fine Batman. And uh, just well, so what's he supposed to do? He can't use his normal voice. He Superman can go. do it. If Superman can do it, why can't Batman? Yeah, but Superman isn't really serious about <laughs> having a secret. <laughs> Kelly, why he's just you, fucking around? I, I think I I like that you thought you were going to make a serious observation about a comic book. I like that you were trying to pull that off. It, it was a noble attempt. It's not like a uh, fucking uh, board game. <laughs> ah, good point. Right. See what I did there? I do. All right, so Batman's voice. Uh, you think the movie triumphs over the silliness, and I agree. Uh, but I still think it's silly. Uh, but I, I, I'm I, with you, Dingus. But you guys are saying that uh, in the first movie, the voice triumphed and the movie lost. I'm not that crazy about Batman Begins. Like I, I like it, uh, but it's no Dark Knight. It's better than all most of the Marvel ones, though. The first one is. Batman Begins is better than Iron Man 2. How's that? That's a brave position. Batman Begins is pretty good, but it suffers from a lack of Maggie Gyllenhaal. Eh. Eh. I like all that shit in the mountains. Do you think she'll be back in uh, the new one? Yeah. She, uh... <laughs> uh, all right, so... My number three is, uh, so my, my take on this is a little different. I think that this is silly. If I were to just watch it isolated, and if you see pictures of it, it's silly. But in the movie, I think it ultimately works. And all of the actors in the movie have to struggle with this, but only the one actor I'm going to mention really pulls it off for me. And it's silly facial hair, and it's the movie Gettysburg. Uh, Gettysburg has some amazing facial hair because that's what it was like in the Civil War. But you have like Tom Berenger and uh, and uh, uh, like uh, not Martin Lawrence, um, Martin Sheen, uh, Martin Sheen, right, right. Martin oh Sheen is God. doing like shut up. <laughs> He's doing. This is a great pick. This is absolutely perfect. I, I love where you're going with it because Jeff uh, J- uh, Jeff Go- Jesus Jeff, Jeff Bridges. Oh, yeah, Goldblum and Martin Lawrence in <laughs> Gettysburg. That sounds actually like the greatest Jim Jim Carrey as Robert. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I'm not that crazy about Gettysburg. It, it's kind of dry and reverential, and that, that's all fine. It's very Turner networky. Uh, but Jeff Daniels is so good in it, and uh, his character, who's the guy leading the, the famous charge that ends up everyone gets killed, uh, he's just so good in that, even with that crazy goofball mustache on his lip, and you, you forget about it after a while. It's almost like someone doing a silly accent or something. Uh, so I, I think it, it just he is so good that he triumphs over the silliness of that facial hair in a way that the other actors can't quite achieve in, in Gettysburg. Uh, so there's my number three pick. You're obsessed about Gettysburg a lot. I do not. What are you talking about? The war's over. You got to get over it. Stop <laughs> watching movies about it. Can we win this time, sir? No. <laughs> I'm so happy you brought that up. Any time that we can talk about Jeff Daniels in that movie makes me happy. That's absolutely great. Good job. One of these days, I might even rewatch it. I don't know. I don't know. He's gonna be. They're making a sequel to Dumb and Dumber. Did you know that? 
Speaking with, of with, historical movies. With Jeff Bridges and Martin Lawrence? <laughs> Jeff Bridges. <laughs> that was good. Jessica. Uh, all right, Kelly Wad, what is your number two pick for a triumph over silliness? Forgot I have to talk more. Uh my number two is in Never Say Never Again, when James Bond plays that video game, I like the one with Russia. I thought that made the movie triumph over um, the silliness. I felt bad for Klaus Maria Brandauer more than Sean Connery. All right, so the, the, the fact that he's playing as Russia and wins the video game. That's a movie triumph. All right. Is this the one that he couldn't use for levers? Uh, I don't know. I don't remember. Is it a trackball or something? Yeah, it's like in a shock him to death if he loses. Right. And I don't remember if Kelly Wan tried to bring this up. But yeah, definitely not a lever, switch, or button. So it wouldn't have worked for that 3x3. Three three. I don't think I did this topic right. I, you've tried to talk about this game, the video game and Never Say Never Again before. Though. I'll, I'll just... I'll, all right, this will be the last time I try to talk. No, no, no. If, you know, if it works for you, it works for you. i got to say, personally, I don't think any James Bond movie has ever triumphed over silliness. <laughs> what? They, they, they tend to wallow did. in it. No, they wallow in it. They wallow in their That's silliness. That's triumph, though. <laughs> it's accepting it. It's a triumphant wallow. <laughs> all right. Now, well, now they're not. Now, uh... They took the silliness out, and now it's kind of lame again. Yeah, uh, what is the next one called? Skyfall? I can't yeah. take that seriously. Skyfall? Seriously? That's the name of a James Bond movie. It's not I don't, Skyrim? I don't get it. I don't get Skyfall. I don't understand. Wait, is, when's that come out? Uh, I, I don't know if it's this year, but... Uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a Daniel Craig one. They're shooting. Who's the villain? The villain's someone famous. Is it Robert Carlyle? It's Rihanna. Okay. Well, Rihanna's not in it, but the woman who played, and I'm going to space on her name, that awesome black chick from 28 Days Later is the Bond girl in it. Uh, why can't I think of her name? Naomi Rapachi. Yeah, well done. Mm. <laughs> no, it's not her. Uh, at any rate, uh, so yeah, Skyfall. No, Kelly Wan, James Bond movies never triumph over silliness. I'm sorry. I think but, uh, Xavier Bardem should be a James Bond. Oh, wait. No, you're right. That's who the villain is. Robert Carlyle was in the last one, wasn't he? Man, I've so lost track of these. I'm so out of the James Bond loop. Uh, but no, yeah, that was ten years ago. How can you ever quibble with a James Bond title after Quantum of Solace? Ooh, good point, Dingus. That is, that is, they have nuked the fridge on that one, haven't they? <laughs> yeah. I think it's a grenade in that pool. <laughs> Dingus, what is your number two pick for a triumph over silliness? All right, if you think that James Bond movies never uh, rise above silliness, you're going to love my number two pick. All right. All right, here's a quote from it. Admiral. Admiral. Ugh. Sorry. <laughs> Sounds like... That sound just came out of me. I apologize. <laughs> is that is is he doing something from Empire Strikes Back? I don't know what He's that is. doing the fucking Star Trek shenanigans. It doesn't even matter now. Star Trek's never triumphed over silliness. They're more retarded than James Bond movies. Yeah, it does sound like a Star Trek. Dingus, I don't, I don't know this, but is Kelly right? Is it Star Trek? Let him finish his quote. I, I fucked it up. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, okay. The, the third word is Admiral. Admiral, Admiral, Admiral? Yeah. Someone says that in a Star Trek movie? Yep. Why is it silly? Yeah, it sounds uh, like it. It's uh, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Oh, good Lord. That's before he gets devoted. The awesome silliness for me is the... Uh, awesome prosthetic chest of Ricardo Montalban. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> That's famous. I actually know about that. Yeah. 
And wow. while people argue, and there's been much raging debate over whether or not it is indeed prosthetic, it's so ultimately silly and distracting. Uh, but I love the movie, and so I feel like the movie ultimately triumphs over the silliness of his ridiculous chest. Do people really say that it's not prosthetic? Yes, yes. I think that I've, I've, I've seen uh, debates about, I think maybe Nicholas Meyer in the commentary says, no, 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 that's definitely his real chest. And then people put up old pictures of Ricardo Montalban as a young man and having an awesome chest. But it's just so waxed and oily and so perfectly waxed and scary, shiny, and it doesn't move. It's just bizarre. You want, you're like, it's made what? out of fine Corinthian leather. <laughs> I can't stop looking at that thing. And then, but the movie's still you guys great. Look at different things from me in movies. Well, Kelly Wan, do you know why he's he's bringing this up this week? Is because he couldn't use it for the unanswered question: <laughs> Is that a real chest? Yeah. Or am I just happy to see you? All right, my number two pick for uh, a triumph over, over silliness. Um, so I don't I don't really get musicals that much. I mean I'm sure there there's some that are good and I like the artist just fine. But you know in a movie when someone breaks out in song I feel like yeah. it's generally a compromise from like seeing a staged version of something. And I, you know I love opera and I can accept. Plus you know the story's not going to get advanced. Um yeah you're right it's like here now a break for a musical number yeah. right uh, wait. instead of what yeah so one movie though that sort of breaks that mold and it does it, it it's it's got a lot of audacity to do it this way. And I, I loved going into this movie and not knowing it was a musical. And when the first musical number started, I was like, what? Really? But by the time it was over, I was totally won over. And I absolutely adore, I think it's like the second or third musical number in it with Peter Stramari and Bjork. Uh, and the, it's the movie Dancer in the Dark. Uh, and I just feel that having musical numbers in a movie, it's already silly. But if it's a silly movie, that's fine. But Dancer in the Dark is not a silly movie. Uh, and there's that awesome number where there's like hobos dancing on a train that if you were to explain that to me, I would think that's silly. That's never going to work. But man, that works for me. I love that bit of Dancer in the Dark. And I love that it's a musical. I love how the first number starts with the factory noise. Um, so I think it's silly to break into musical numbers in a movie, but Dancer in the Dark pulls it off and makes it non-silly and beats it, it beats down the silliness. Wait, it's Chimney Sweeps? None. <laughs> You're thinking of Mary Poppins or something. Right, okay, I'm sorry. I get those <laughs> no, there's a, there's a number where uh, Peter Stormari realizes that she's going blind, and they're standing next to train tracks. Uh, and they have a musical number where she explains, basically, that she doesn't care about seeing the world, you know, because she's she's got great things here, she's seen all she needs to see. Uh, and it's her just trying to convince herself that it's okay to go blind. It's just this really sad, cool musical number where they get up on this train. That's you know the train is going by, and there's these hobos riding it. And in her imagination, this musical number, the hobos do this crazy dance number on this moving train. Um, she can still do that after she's blind, though. She could, yeah. It would be more perilous. They would have so to put up rails. Precious time. Yeah. Actually, although she can't because of how the movie turns out. So spoiler. Oh. I won't get into that. So, all right, there's, operation? there's my, you'll have to see. Have you not seen Dancing in the Dark, Kelly Wand? Uh, I don't see movies based on Springsteen song titles. <laughs> have you seen any Lars von Trier's movies? I saw part of Antichrist. And I Ouch. No, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, don't, what? don't see that one. I thought that was the good one. Ugh, good Lord. Ugh. What's the good one? Dancer in the Dark. Dancing in the Dark is good. Breaking the Waves is great. Uh, I, I kind of, is it Dogville? Dogtown? No, that's a skateboard. I think it's that's Dogville. Kidman one. 
Yeah, the Nicole. Are they on a stage or something? Yeah, exactly. And that's that's got a lot of silliness that I couldn't quite get over, but it, it kind of works in a weird way. Uh, but no, if you haven't seen Breaking the Waves and Dancing in the Dark, I think you should uh, get on that stat, Kelly Wand. Uh. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, then next- I don't see movies advised to me. <laughs> We've right. noticed. People with taste. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Kelly, what movies do you see that triumph over silliness, and what would be your favorite instance of that? The best one I can think of is in Rocky IV, um, when Polly got him that robot that I thought was going to be a boxing robot in the fifth one. All right, so Burt Young by Sylvester Stallone, a robot in a Rocky movie? Really? Yeah, and he changes its voice. No, wait, Rocky buys it for him. Sorry. Rewrite the thing I just said. <laughs> All right. Uh, and you feel that uh, it's silly, but the movie is so good that it's not silly. Right. All right. Fair enough. Is that the one with Dolph Lundgren? Yeah. All right. He's like a robot, too, kind of. Who wins in that one, Kelly Wand? The robot. No. We all win. So it's the opposite of Alien versus <laughs> Right. Whoever wins, we lose. Whoever loses, we win. Yeah. If Rocky fought an alien... It's not any dumber than a Gilligan's Island episode. Uh, it's more realistic. So, Dingus, what do you have for your number one pick for a triumph over silliness? Uh, all right, here's a quote from it. Okay. Sam, I can only account for what occurs on the base. I don't know what's silly about that movie, but what do you got for us? All right, this is a little weird for me, uh, because I don't think... Anything is necessarily silly, but the uh, Gertie's weird little smiley face iconography could be silly. Uh, it's totally on purpose, though. In what, in what movie? Uh, I'm sorry, in the movie Moon. How many weeks in a row has Moon been on this year? Every it's every week in a row, Kelly. What are you talking about? It's, Dingus, it's, can you can you do that in Gertie's voice? It's every week in a row, Kelly. Very good. Uh, from 2009, uh, directed by Duncan Jones. Uh, so the, it, uh, I love the silliness of just the simple, uh, I don't know if you'd call it emoticons or iconography or whatever, but given the level of um, technology we should have at that point or whatever point the movie is supposed to take place in, you should be able to have something other than a silly smiley face on the back of the uh, robot that's helping you do your stuff. And I love that that works. I mean, that, that for me, that, that is a total triumph because you get so much emotion from that robot in so many little ways. And I love that little symbol. It's also a bit of character development in that it's a, it's a terrible user interface. So it says a lot about the people who built Gertie. Right. I like that, uh, too. Uh, all right. So for the seventh week in a row, Dingus has had Moon on his list. Good going, Dingus. Let's see if we can make an, uh, an eight fur. Out of this, I don't know if that's really silly. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, one, if you had a computer that would that would talk to you and help you go about your daily life, and it had little emoticons, wouldn't you switch that off? Would you leave that turned on? No. Yeah, like for instance, if I were to, can I send you little emoticons in Skype right now? No, you would not have any. You would not want any part of that. So tiki tiki tiki. <laughs> you don't even know what that is. <laughs> I know. You think you're quoting audition, but you're not. <laughs> I thought I was putting Empire Strikes Back when Yoda tickles Luke's balls. What? what? Speaking of which, my number one pick 
for silliness. Uh, and this is what actually inspired the uh, the topics. So I rewatched this movie. Uh, I really like this movie, but I don't think it's for everyone. And it you might you might call it um, lesser Paul Schrader. Paul Schrader is the guy that wrote Taxi Driver. Uh, maybe four years ago, he did a kind of a murder mystery called The Walker. Um, and The Walker is in ways a spiritual heir to American Gigolo, the thing he did with Richard Gere way back in the, it must have been the 80s, whatever. Uh, and The Walker is about a gay man in Washington, D.C., who escorts rich women around. It apparently was a real thing in Virginia among the Gentile class, uh, uh, Gentile class. And uh, it's... it's, it's uh, the Gentile class. <laughs> the, the, the Jews don't have it, is what I'm saying. Okay, gosh. Uh, Boy, I'm... Uh, uh, the, uh, and, and so the, the character, the, the actor who plays this character is Woody Harrelson. And I've seen Woody Harrelson in a lot of awful stuff. And it's real easy to forget how good Woody Harrelson can be. And it can even kind of be easy to forget in The Walker because it is such an affected performance. He is so playing this meticulous, effeminate, uh, almost stereotypical gay man. And he's got these weird fake teeth and he's wearing a wig and he's mincing a lot. And uh, and he's doing he's almost doing like a uh, a. Uh, Who's the guy the in cold blood? Truman Capote kind of thing, almost. Like when Philip Seymour Hoffman does that in the Truman Capote that in that biopic, like that kind of makes sense because that's a real person. And even though he he had that weird way of talking, you know, that was a real thing. But to see Woody Harrelson try this, it's kind of gutsy. And I'm not sure that it works at first, but by the time you sit through the movie, he totally sells it. And I, I maintain that that's the best. I'm pretty sure. I don't think I can't think. Like I think that's the best thing Woody Harrelson has done. Like everybody talks. I think he was nominated for an Academy Award for People vs. Larry Flint. Like he got a lot of props for that. Uh, what are his other Rampart, which came out recently? I think some people think he was good in that, but I thought that was awful. He was great in The Messenger, but Never he was kind of uh, when he blew off his butt, right? But that was just Woody Harrelson showing up, yeah. Uh, but he was really good in The Messenger, but that was just kind of a stereotype. I mean, that was like just him doing his great Woody Harrelson kind of thing, but with some soul. But he's really doing a performance. Like, he leaves his skin and inhabits this new character in The Walker. Uh, and it's a kind of a silly character. But, uh, man, I think it really works. So, there you go. That's my... Uh, Kelly Wanda, I know you haven't seen this. Am I correct? No. I've only seen Kingpin. <laughs> See, there you go. So, uh, the Walker is quite different from that. Paul Schrader. Uh, do you like Affliction? Do you even know that movie? Uh, the Nick Nolte thing in the oh, snow. Yeah. And, uh, okay. Wait, is it where his dad's nuts or something? Yes, James. I always screw yeah, these like, guys up. James Coburn, James Kahn, Lee Marvin. Uh, those guys all run together for me. I think it's James Coburn who plays his dad. Yeah. So Affliction is also Paul Schrader. Unfortunately, things like Autofocus are also Paul Schrader. Uh, he can uh, be very... Autofocus is all right. <laughs> oh, God. I can't really? stand Autofocus. Um, yeah, you know what? I, I mainly think it's a Greg Kinnear issue, though. Uh, but yeah, I did not like Autofocus. He doesn't look like the guy very much. You know, so I was reading up on Paul Schrader. He used to be a film critic, uh, and he was either tutored by or he went to, he, he He worked under Pauline Kyle. Uh, right. So he was like a hardcore film critic. He published a book, and he directed Blue Collar, that thing with Richard Pryor and uh, Yafet Kato and Harvey Keitel, which I remember really liking. I haven't seen that in forever. But isn't Blue huh. Collar pretty good? 
don't think I've seen it, but you're making me want to see it. That seems like, because it's a serious movie. It's not Richard Pryor doing a goofball thing with Gene, Sh- or, uh, uh, Gene Wilder. Um, uh, well, then I guess I don't want to see it. No, it's not. Come on. Don't you want to see? It's like Robin Williams not being funny. Doesn't that make you want to see it? Like an RV? <laughs> Very good. <laughs> boy, boy, boy. All right, so runners-up. So I, I was going to bring up Christian Bale's Batman voice, but uh, that one's not a runner-up because I do feel it's it's ultimately too silly, as much as I love the movie. Um, Wait, so you hate Dark... Like, Dark Knight loses. I do feel that Dark Knight... I do feel Dark Knight is a lesser movie because of Christian Bale's voice. That just is a is a huge sticking point for me. So I mean, I Fletcher love the died movie. For nothing. That's How dare you? How dare you? What you're saying? What you're saying? You? I'm just saying. <laughs> I call it. I paint what I see. You know what? Heath Ledger dying uh, gave extra work to Johnny Depp and Jude Law in the Incredible Cabinet of Doctor Parnassus or whatever that was. So there's that. The Incredible Cabinet. <laughs> the guy with. Prosthetic legs gave Liam Neeson work. Yeah. Uh, here's one that I wanted to bring up. Uh, this is a runner-up because I liked this scene, and I think it gets some guff from some folks. Uh, I really liked the sex scene in Watchmen. Isn't that silly? Like I, I, I have a hard time uh, thinking back dumb. to. Really, is it is it Wait, just Zack Zack Snyder? Hallelujah. Can- what kind of time do you have? I don't remember the lines from it like Dingus does, but uh, is that one of the lines from the sex No, scene? no, you just said you had a hard time, but keep going. Ah, I get it. Uh, I had, wow, Dingus made a, a single entendre. I was trying to fit in with the group. You did not like that at the time. Stop it. The sex scene? What are you talking about? I, li- I like Watchmen a lot, and I did like the sex scene. No, I only like sex scenes you can use. You know what, I'm what do you mean? Not that one. It's just <laughs> too vanilla. Too Disney. But the, aren't they in their costumes? And in, they're in the owl ship thing? Tell the sex part. Ah, see? Right. And I don't know why people give that poor Malin Ackerman a hard time. I thought she was fine in that movie. She's not the issue. She's doing what she's supposed to. Yeah, I agree. I'm never, I never blame the actor unless it's Taylor Kitsch. <laughs> That's, <a good laughs> That's policy. my rule. Uh, another other runners-up. What do you guys got? I I know I'd already kind of mentioned this, but Christopher Reeve's Clark Kent stuff and Superman I think makes the movie good. I don't think anyone would take issue with that, Kelly Wand. But it's definitely not in the source material, so he just he whipped that out of nothing. He's a comic genius. So that should be my number one. Forget what I said. What was it? Your number one is, is some robot apparently in Rocky. Think, <laughs> instead of Christopher Reeve. <laughs> yeah, nice work. Nice work. So it's like the prosthetic legs beat the uh, horrible. All right, go. Uh, here's another example. So, robot. not the movie at large because I think it works. But you know, Brick has this real stylistic approach to film noir, and it's amongst teenagers in high school. And for the most part, it doesn't it doesn't uh, make that funny or play with it. Uh, like it, it has this cool, consistent internal reality. Except there's one scene where they're at, I think it's Lucas Haas's house, and, and the mom is serving them orange juice. And they're all sitting around and they can't fight because they have to pretend for the mom's sake that they want orange juice or something. Like I remember that scene being kind of silly and not really fitting in with the internal consistency of the rest of Brick. So I, I remember about, thinking that when yeah. Lucas Haas's uh, lamps in his limo. That kind of threw me off. Or did I imagine those? No, he had a funky limo. Did it have... I don't remember lamps in it, though. It's really weird lamps, like from the 1850s or something. I got, I got confused. Maybe that's just kind of the kind of decor he likes. Daniel Day-Lewis is, like, 
a lot of his accents sound really funny at first, but then it kind of su- sucks you in too. Like the the voice in "There Will Be Blood," is that what you're thinking? Yeah, but in Gangs of New York too, because he's wearing. Oh yeah, yeah, that's like right. The, the Mad Hatter kind of. There's so that's right. He's got that hat. Yeah. Doesn't he have a crazy stovepipe like a top hat kind of thing going? Yeah, and he has an awesome mustache. He looks like he's nine feet tall and on stilts. But I don't know. I think that's where the movie loses. Ah, it's not his. He's oh, I, great. Re- I remember thinking that Gangs of New York had a lot more in common with Mad Max than, than I thought it would. I mean, that was a, kind of a surprise for me. Is it? Is it played that time period almost as this weird post-apocalyptic '80s gangs fighting kind of thing? So it should have been really awesome, like Mad Max is. Why wasn't it? I, wasn't I it okay? Yeah, it's not good. It's because when the when the uh, Navy shows up. My battleship, and then they start firing on New York. <laughs> it interrupts the duel between Daniel Day Lewis and DiCaprio, and then you're all, oh, Deus Ex Mach in a stack for the win, and then and I then, think that's how he wins. Like and, then he, and then he goes and he gets on the Titanic. Uh, I shouldn't talk anymore. <laughs> Dingus, any runners up for you? Um, mentioning uh, Scorsese calls to mind. I, I really love this movie, but. Um, Harvey Keitel as Judas always kind of throws me. Uh, uh. And I, I love Harvey Keitel, but hearing him come in and, and say, you're a traitor to, Jesus, to Jesus is a little weird. <laughs> I, I, I have a hard time getting I, I mean, I really like what they're doing, what Scorsese's doing with just using people without phony English accents. Um, but uh, I don't know if Harvey Keitel really works. Dingus, how do you feel about Harvey Keitel wrestling a naked Kirk Douglas in Saturn 5, 3, 2, 7, Saturn something, some number. How about that you... waxed chest? <laughs> <laughs> um, other than that, I think there there were a couple things I was looking for in Titus, but there's so much silly stuff in Titus that it all just works. Like Jessica, Jessica Lange's weird gold dreadlocks and some of the... Uh, Paul, John Rice Myers, Paul Rice Myers, I forget his name. Uh, some of the costumes are just so silly and over the top. But it, it all works together, so it, it, I, can't, I couldn't really work for it. That's Yeah, thank you, Julie Tamar. Yeah. Comes with the territory, right. Uh, all right, so there we go. There are triumphs over silliness. Um, Kelly Wand, what are we going to do as a 3x3 three three next week? Three awesomest scientific explanations. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. Can we take, are we taking anything off the table? Fuck no. <laughs> All right, then I got one in the chamber. Booyah. Sweet. All right, good. Awesome as fun to and easy That's after good. these nightmarish ordeals you people put See, me through. Kelly Wan, just when everyone gives up on you, you come up with a gym like that. That's beautiful. That's what's cool about sucking is they go, oh, he sucks. And <laughs> next time you do it, you don't shit your pants. They go, oh, wow, he's a genius. <laughs> Uh, all right, so join us for awesomest, what, awesomest scientific explanations. Is that what it's, we're calling it? Yeah, and what movie we're seeing. Good. And don't forget my canadote during the uh, closing. Well, that's right. So before we tell you what movie we're seeing next week, we'll keep you in suspense. Uh, Kelly Wand, how are things in Canada? Oh, you want a canadote? Rock and roll. I thought we're doing this over the closing music since that's when nothing's going on. Uh, do you want us to? Well, I don't. No, no, I'll just do okay. it. All right, here it is. So I'm in like the only office park on the planet with just McDonald's around the office park. So I ask people if they want to go. I've been asking like, "Hey, you want to go to Mephistopheles with me?" 
Nobody's going to understand that. That's what, yeah, they don't get Nobody it. saw Dark Shadows. Nobody so no saw Dark Shadows, it. and no one gets it, and they stare at me, and then I'm too embarrassed to say I'm referencing a dumbass Tim Burton movie that they didn't see, so I just tell them, because I'm in Canada, that that's what we call McDonald's down in America. <laughs> Stop, please. And they believe me, or pretend to, which is probably my one. Go on, next time, ask them if they want a flutter dance. <laughs> What's that mean in Canadian? Uh, I think you should go back and see some awful Blood Tim dance. Burton movies. Yeah. Oh. All, right. Uh, all right. So uh, next week we will be doing three awesomest scientific discoveries, and we will be seeing explanations. 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 Right. Jesus. Sorry. Uh, and speaking of scientific explanations, maybe this movie will have one. We will be seeing Chernobyl Diaries. Suck it, Men in Black. Oh, please, yeah. We can't do it anymore. You know what? That's the thing. Battleship, really, I don't know that I can. This summer, I don't know that I have it in me. I just feel like I I can't make it through August if we're going to have more. It's great for the opsies, but terrible for us, like our heads. Well, we'll see. So, you know what? I, I, I can stomach a crappy horror movie much more than I can sit through whatever, two hours and 15 minutes of what Battleship was. So maybe we can just duck. And the fact that we're dodging Men in Black 3... That was close. I think yeah. we're making the right choice. I agree. I think we're pretty smart. I agree. Uh, all right, so join us for that. Uh, see Chernobyl Diaries. Uh, listen next week for three awesomest scientific explanations. I am Tom Chick, and I have been joined by Christian McCraniski. It's Christian Moroski. And Kelly Wand. Uh, I forgot what I was going to say. She's just she's, yelling. I know. It's so romantic. Come on, I, you know, okay, I'm going to go to bat. I, first of all, she's Canadian, so Kelly Wan, it's That's racist terrible. of you. You're yeah. betraying your country. Second of all, I'm going to go to bat for this song. Isn't this an awesome song? What's or no? What are those lyrics? Better in 3D. Yeah. It's something about, even though you're far from me, I'm still into you. Although you drink, you're, you're at the bottom. You're still my, somebody. You're still in my. You know, it's didn't she? Did she write it for the Titanic movie, or did Who? they just appropriate it from some Celine Dion? Is it just from some album? I don't know the background. The background of it, but I, I actually literally like this song. Well, are there any lyrics that refer to water? First or of all, gems? what do lyrics matter to a song? That's <laughs> like that. A, Songs can have nonsense lyrics. Okay, you listen to a Bush song, for instance, and explain to me what Gavin Rossdale's getting at. Nobody knows. It doesn't make the song any sauce. I rest my case. He's trying to... uh, Hey, um, do you ever think of the Titanic gem when you play Diablo and you get the socket? Who talks like that? Uh...